Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Armor Report. It's Monday. It's the 8th of April. Thanks for joining me. Armor, as I like to remind you, stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. Everything I'm trying to do on this show and for myself personally and for our investors is to put us on the right side of probabilities and statistics every day with every investment we take. Okay? Whatever the investment is, we want to make sure we're on the right side of probability and statistics. And we only want to commit capital where the reward can be big enough for the risk we're taking. And the best way for us to do all that is to use algorithms that we developed in-house to help us manage our risk. This is a live trading desk. Everything I'm sharing with you is information I'm using every day to make my own decisions with my own capital and capital for our investors. Screens are all around me. I'll be looking all around as I'm speaking to you. I am managing capital as we speak. It's a live trading desk. Forgive me. I have to sign off right away or take a break in the midst of our conversation. What we're going to get to today is a discussion at the start of the show um, that highlights what our algorithms are saying about the top five indexes that we use to drive all of our risk management decisions. We use exchange-traded funds, ETFs of the S&P, SPY, the Dow, DIA, the Small Cap Index, IWM, NASDAQ 100, QQQ, and um, our favorite growth ETF, FFTY, which is the IBD 50. Then what I'm going to do is jump into a discussion about the U.S.-based cannabis companies. We believe here on this desk there's a unique investment opportunity right now in these stocks, primarily because of the legal situation in the U.S. And I'll go over that a bit. Last week I was off the desk for much of the week. Our research department which I head, spend a ridiculous amount of time right now doing research on the cannabis space and going out and meeting management teams of companies we think are important, getting on the phone, talking to them, covering conferences, what have you. And last week, we sat down with the manager of uh, a dispensary here in Florida. And we got some very interesting numbers from him to help us understand the size of the business opportunity. I'm going to share that with you. And then I'm going to wrap up with some thoughts on the commodity uh, market, oil and precious metals. Okay. So without further ado, let's jump into um, the algorithms. Look, two weeks ago now, we told you that our algorithms were – Uh, telling us it's time to add risk to our portfolio. You can follow our real-time risk-on, risk-off monitor on our website, RosenthalCapital.com. And we try to update as often as we can if there's changes to our top five indexes. So right now, we're willing to take risk. I couldn't possibly tell you how to manage your portfolio on these YouTube videos. I don't know you. I don't know your investment approach. I don't know what type of capital you're putting to work. 
So please remember that this, th these videos are for educational purposes. I'm sharing with you what I'm doing personally, and I do it because it helps me execute. It keeps me on the straight and narrow. It makes it easier for me to follow what I, I, I see unfolding using our algorithms. And it basically keeps me honest. I have a video track record of what it is I'm doing. And that helps me. If you guys get some help out of it, I, and that's just like a bonus. Thank you for being here listening to me because you're helping me out. So what that means for us when we get a risk on opportunity like this is we break it down into different categories. We're going to put some of our capital to work in the big indexes, directly into the ETFs. Sometimes we use the ETFs to have twice the performance of the markets, giving us a little bit more exposure. Or I should say, a little bit more volatility, a little more juice on the upside without having to commit too much capital to the indexes. Leaves capital over for us to invest in our favorite whiteboard ideas, our favorite groups and themes. Now that gets me to my point about how we like to manage money here. Get on the right side of probability and statistics. Great. We use algorithms for that. Assess reward versus risk. We do that with algorithms, but we also do that philosophically. If we look at every investment, and I strongly suggest you do this with your own portfolio. If you look at every investment and you recognize that you have X amount of risk on each position you take. You should always have stop losses. When you initiate a position, you're using your principle. You don't want to fall in love with an idea. If it hits that stop, you have to step aside. Now, you don't have to put that order in the market. You can have it be on your you know, computer somewhere or some, some um um, trading program you're using, it'll give you an alert, you hit this price, and then you go out there and you just have to take your loss. It's okay. You regroup. You might buy the stock back two, three days later if you have to. But you regroup, you reassess, you take a break, you say, maybe there's something wrong with my decision process. Okay? Um, what you want to do is manage your risk correctly on these individual names. But then commit capital where the reward can be the greatest. Can I buy shares of Boeing and Nike and GE? Okay, well, those things are basic market stocks. GE is a horrific idea, right? So if you didn't have stop losses, you've been destroyed. And you were destroyed because you thought it was a great investment and because your dad and your granddad owned it, which has zero to do with an investment today. This is the millennial stock market. World has changed. Need stop losses. But you can also say to yourself, well, yeah, I can make some money in investing in Microsoft. Let's say there's nothing wrong with that. Own some shares of Apple. Great. But for me, the risk is always the same. Whatever percentage it is, X percent, I'm willing to lose before I go back to cash on every investment. Therefore, it behooves me to put capital to work in the investments that can go up the greatest. And that's why on our desk, we keep focusing on the cannabis stocks. We feel we're at the beginning of an investing super cycle in the cannabis names. Now, I can't 
go over with you again all the details of why I believe that. Suffice it to say, in the immortal words of John C. Riley, I got tiger scratches all over my back from 30 years in this business. I've seen this before. The investment opportunities open-ended in the cannabis business. Are there risks? Absolutely. Are the markets thin because they're misunderstood? Yes. Things start going down. It gets out of hand. Definite risk. But right now I'm talking about reward. If we're right in this space, we're talking about 10, 15, 20 times on our investment over a decade. And that's how you create wealth. Let me get into the numbers now on the U.S. cannabis retail market. The dispensaries, right? There's a handful of names. I'm not going to tell you exactly the company that we were meeting with last week. And I don't really think it matters. But number one, this is not an endorsement for you to run out and buy these stocks today. I'm just sharing with you the business potential in numbers so you can understand the enormity of the opportunity. And also because th th this is just one example of one dispensary. Th th this, with slight variations, this is the business opportunity. Some dispensaries will do better than others. Some will have higher margins than others. I get it. But this is the basic opportunity. You got to do your own research, your own work, figure out what stocks you want to own. But grab a pen, grab a piece of paper. I'm going to walk you through the numbers of one dispensary. This is one example of a dispensary in Florida. 27 square foot facility. Right now, they're, they're, they're on average about 250 people coming through the dispensary a day. They think they can max out at 500 in this one establishment. Okay? So let's look at 500 people a day because we're doing projections here. Okay, these stocks are trading about three, four hundred million dollar market caps, just to put it in perspective for you. Small market caps. And we're going to create a, 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 as analysts like to do, projections of what the revenue growth can be. Okay. So let's take 500 people a day. The average selling price is around $250 per person. Okay? Write this down. $250 per person, 500 people a day. Grab a calculator, do the math. You're going to come up with $125,000 a day in revenue off of one dispensary. This dispensary is open seven days a week. We're going to be conservative. We're going to say five days a week. So you take 125, 125,000 times five days a week. Do the math. You can do this. $625,000 a week off of one dispensary. 
There's 52 weeks of the year. Let's call it 50. Multiply it times 50. We're just coming up with back of the envelope on the napkin numbers to give us a ballpark of what the size of this pie is. 50 weeks times $625,000 a week. You get $31,250,000 a year off of one dispensary. Now all you have to do is find a company. This particular company is looking to open maybe 49 dispensaries in the state. I'm afraid to tell you to do the math. 31250000 dollars off of one dispensary. 49 dispensaries, 1.5 million. A billion, excuse me, 1.5 billion. Now that's just a scratch on the back of an envelope, right? Not every store is going to be the same. Some will do better than others. Let's cut the thing in half from 1.5 billion to 750 million. Companies in a mature business usually trade at multiples of revenue. U.S.-based cannabis companies are trading at fractions of potential revenue. Companies usually trade at multiples of expected revenue. These companies are trading at fractions. Why is that the case? Because we have a strange legal situation in this country. Investing in U.S.-based cannabis companies right now is literally like investing in private equity. They came public over the last three or four months to no fanfare. You're watching CNBC today. They talk about Lyft. They talk about Levi's. Oh, they can't wait to see Pinterest come public. Nobody's talking about U.S.-based cannabis companies. Why? Well, because no investment banks in the U.S. are involved. It's illegal on a federal level. So these stocks quietly came public on the Canadian Stock Exchange. And that really is the opportunity. You have potential for huge markets, huge revenue growth. And yet no investment banking relationships at the moment. So stocks are trading at fractions of what potential revenue growth will be over the next X amount of years. And those numbers I just worked up for you are just based on medical marijuana. So the numbers are exponentially greater in states where you have recreational use. The opportunity is enormous. Here endeth the lesson. That's how you do research in this business. That's how you build an understanding of a business so that you can then handle the expectations. There's going to be volatility. There's going to be sell-offs. Maybe stocks are all down today. Okay. All right. This information is for your back pocket so you know what's going on, so you can take advantage of weakness, take advantage of volatility, build a portfolio over time. Okay, let me jump, um, let me say, let me just 
cover something else here. Um, on the negative side, because I want to, you know, look, this is not just a cheerleading show about cannabis companies. There's times to own them. There's times to be defensive, just like every group. At the moment, I do not like the action in the big Canadian marijuana companies. MJ, not breaking out to the upside. Telray is breaking down. I mean, now look, that stock got completely out of whack because of the short squeeze. So who knows how long it's going to take for that thing to work out. But Telray and Kronos, two high flyer, you know, winners that everyone loved, suffering right now. Keeping a damper on the space. Those are the Canadian names. U.S.-based can- uh, uh, cannabis companies were on fire the last couple of weeks. We expect them to take a break. I mean, they can't just go straight up, right? So preferably in a group that's doing well, you like to see weakness Monday, Tuesday, and strength Thursday, Friday. So a little weakness today, nothing to be concerned about. What I don't like and what I'm a bit concerned about is the behavior of MJ and the big Canadian companies really not looking great. We don't have a lot of exposure on our desk for this space right now. So we're waiting for lower prices. We have names on our whiteboard we'd like to own. We'd like for those ideas to come down to our price points and then get an algorithmic entry point and we'll put money to work. All right. So just a note of caution, be advised stocks, not acting well. Okay, um, I don't like to talk about individual stocks. I did tweet out this morning about uh, new beverage, so I just wanted to give you a quick update there. Um, Full disclosure, it's a tiny percentage of our portfolio. I don't really have a big position here. I'm not sure if I'll make it a big position, but I do think it's worth noting. Um, Management team is good. Proven beverage success stories, cot beverage, the guy... CEO used to work at Cot, used to work at InBev. He knows the beverage business. Um, I stayed away from the stock for a long time. I'm answering this question right now because people have asked me about InBev and what I think. And so I've always said I'm avoiding this, this issue. And the biggest reason was they could not access capital. So they were literally lurching from quarter to quarter, trying to figure out how to cobble together revolving banks of credit and this type of thing to um, to keep their company going. If you listen to the conference calls, and this is why you guys should be listening to conference calls, you don't have to be doing this for 30 years to gather valuable information from a conference call. But if you listen to the conference call of Enbev for the last couple of quarters, th- th- there's no real heavy hitters on that call. And, and unfortunately, you get a bunch of questions asked by individual investors who don't understand the business. And that's just, that's just bad news. So I've stayed away from the, 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 the stock, and when people ask me about it, I say I love the idea, theoretically, but without a strong capital base, you can't be in the retail business. And so until the company figured that out, off, off my ra- oh, on the radar, but you know, not even remotely something I put in the portfolio. Today they announced that Walmart is going to roll out their Marley brand of products across Walmart. And subsequently, they announced a $200 million shelf registration, which means they're going to access capital now. And that makes it a different story. 
I imagine they'll go on a road show for a month. They'll be working with U.S.-based um, uh, investment banks. Okay? And with that will come equity research, institutional ownership, different people on the conference call, people who have weight. Okay? So something I'm beginning to do research on, something I think may have merit now that they can access capital. Okay, I better get to the other issues today. Um, you know, we've been uh, long, if you can follow us along on um, our website, we have three model portfolios that we um, highlight for you at Interactive Brokers. This is what our investors that we work with link up to. And um, conservative, balanced, and aggressive approaches. And you'll see in there for quite some time now, we've had an allocation to energy. That allocation is primarily focused on the master limited partnerships paying dividends of better than eight and a half percent. Tax sheltered. It's been a wonderful investment. I'm not looking to make a huge amount in principal there. I'm just looking to collect that yield and have the principal edge up, edge up, edge up. That's what it's been doing. Now we've traded three times, I think, since August our precious metals positions for profits. We buy them, thing rips higher, we book some profits, we raise our stops, we get taken out because that's the nature of the beast. But there's always this lurking belief on our trading desk that eventually you're going to see the value of gold and silver in the portfolio. And so we always follow it. We have algorithms written specifically for GDX and GDXJ to help us manage our risk, but get exposure at the right times. Those positions are back in the portfolio. Okay. Be advised. They could be short-term positions. I could be out this afternoon. This is not a recommendation for you to go do something because I don't know you. If you want me to manage that risk, you'd have to talk to me. The number's on the website. I'd be more than happy to chat with you. But I'm just letting you know what I'm doing with my capital getting some exposure again to precious metals. Okay. So I think that wraps it up for today. I hope this has been valuable for you. Certainly it helps me to have these conversations. Thank you for being here. And I will be back on the air. Look, I'm doing a lot of research these, these, these last couple of weeks and I'm going to be continuing to do it. So sometimes I can't get on the air, but I'm going to try to update you every day. Like I was before 12 o'clock. See you tomorrow. Take care.